Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I hear all the time that on game day, the head coach really doesn't have much to do. And that it's just, when do you go for it on fourth down? When do you call your timeouts? Right? The big picture decisions. I could do that. If I knew that I had a great offensive coordinator, a great defensive coordinator, I could figure out when to go for it on fourth down. I could figure out when to call a timeout. I play Madden every day. Oh, that's right. You play Madden. That's right. You're ready to be a head coach. When you play Madden a lot, you realize how simple football can sure. be. You always go for it on fourth down, onside kicks, fake punts. Yeah, it would be. It. It. I may not be very successful, but the games would definitely be entertaining. Nice little touch at the end there. I'm not ready to be Coach Flugs. I'm not ready to go on a barnstorming tour of the NCAA like barstool big cats alter ego coach dougs doug duggerton i know it's i know gus. it's gus gus duggerton Ugh. now at tennessee this guy has no loyalty he should be ashamed of himself has he ever been at one school for more than one year no you have to stay one step ahead of the ncaa sanctions that are surely gonna come <laughs> and uh gotta keep on moving it's, gotta pack your bags <laughs> and keep on moving <laughs> Uh, the Chip Kelly approach, slide under the door, reach back and grab your hat before it slams shut. Uh, smart move. I, I, I don't know much about NCAA regulations, but I have a feeling that only an escape to the NFL is the truest way to get away from any, any uh, money or whatever things you may be giving to your players. But you know what? There was a time where I cared about college players getting things they shouldn't get. Now my attitude is get whatever you can. Everybody else is. So Coach Doug's getting it done now with the University of Tennessee, the first time that program has been relevant in a long time, thanks to Big Cat. And do you agree 
with me. And this all, look, they, they took some of it out of context. We were talking about the perfect coaching staff, and Sims is taking head coaches and making them his offensive coordinator like Kyle Shanahan. Like, the guy's a head coach. He's not your offensive coordinator. I said, if, if Sean Payton was my offensive coordinator and Mike Zimmer was my defensive coordinator, I could be the head coach. That was how it all came to be. I think you can make that when you're doing the perfect coaching staff because Kyle Shanahan was an offensive coordinator. I do agree that, uh, you know, I would rather have the perfect coaching staff than the perfect team. Was that the debate that you guys had? Yes. I'd rather have the perfect team because, no, it was oh. not the per- – there was the – well, and now, here's how it happened. Sims put together his perfect team by unit, and then he had a perfect coaching staff with Bill Belichick as the head coach and – Kyle Shanahan is the offensive coordinator. I think Wink Martindale from the Ravens is the defensive coordinator, but I could be wrong about that. And it was, which would you rather have, the perfect team or the perfect coaching staff that he identified? And my thought was, well, hell, I'll go out and get three other coaches, and if the rule is you can take a head coach and demote him, then I'll do that. I'll make Peyton the offensive coordinator. I'll make Zimmer the defensive coordinator, and I'll be the damn head coach. That's how it's all came, uh, it all came up. And then I would take the players that he identified as an alternative to his coaching staff. It's the Jimmys and Joes versus the X's and O's uh, debate. And I will I will say that you throwing out that you're good at Madden, that you could coach. I've, I've quickly learned people have gotten mad at me because my timeout usage is egregious, to say the least, playing video games. So people have said I can't uh, criticize Andy Reid anymore. Now, I, I refute that point because I can criticize Andy Reid because if I'm a fan, that's what I do is just say that I can do – the job of the pros better than they can do. But yes, it has been enlightening to see how bad I am with clock management uh, under pressure. And here's the thing. It's one thing for me to play Madden and not have anyone scrutinizing every single thing that I do. It's another thing for you doing this college football video game with thousands of people watching on Twitch, you are kind of like in the crucible, like a real coach would be, because everything that you do is going to be criticized in real time because you see all the criticism on your screen. Yeah, I think you. I think you need. I think you're uh, getting my uh, word out there that I should get paid more, right? Because I have this pressure. You're my agent. Is this what's going on right now? No, no. I like this. No, I, I don't, the pressure no, is insane, listen. Mike. Keep going. Keep going. I, I. We we got off track know, already to start. So let me just say this. I also want to compliment your uh shirt today. Thank you. That that yeah, now we're even farther off track. Thank you for complimenting me on my shirt. I'm getting a haircut later today under extremely controlled laboratory conditions. There may or may not be hazmat suits mm-hmm. involved, but I am getting a haircut. So it's true. You you get a free haircut with that shirt? That's good. That's good. Well done. Um you got your jacket on? That's all I'm going to say. You got your jacket on? <laughs> okay. Yeah, Let's I can't get, tell you how much time I waste every week answering emails from people saying, will you please buy that guy a new jacket? It's like, it is it's a new the, jacket. It's the, it's the bit. <laughs> it's a new jacket every time. It's it, it, All right, football time. Uh, what football you need time. to know, and there's thank you, NFL, for giving us news on the brink of the unofficial start of summer There's news because next week, owners are getting together again virtually to vote on some rule proposals. I didn't think they were ever going to get to it, but they finally have. And lo and behold, with replay review for pass interference dead and gone, 
The competition committee, even though it's not officially recommending the Sky, Jump Sky Judge concept, the competition committee is supporting further analysis of an officiating advisor. There's a couple of proposals from both the Ravens and the Chargers that would create something that would assist the officials on the field, whether it's a booth umpire who would be the eighth game official, that's the Sky Judge concept I've been pushing for a long time, or a senior technology advisor to the referee to assist the officiating crew. Now, that person presumably would have less juice than an extra member of the officiating crew. Either way, they need to put somebody in a position to watch what we watch on TV to bridge the gap between what we see and react to and what the seven people who are trying not to get trampled by the gladiators and trying to discern in real time with the naked eye what the hell is going on around them. Someone needs to bridge that gap between them and us. And that would be someone watching what we watch and telling the referee, oh, you need to throw a flag there or pick that flag up or there were 13 guys on the field or whatever the case may be. Someone who knows the rules, someone who has been on the field, understands what it's like down there, and someone who can then step into that booth and see everything via TV angles and contribute to the officiating. I think it's genius. I thought it was going to get lost in the shuffle this year with all the other stuff that's going on, but it looks like there's momentum for it, and we'll see next week whether it goes anywhere, Big Cat. I don't even think it's genius, Mike, because it's so obvious. This is such an obviously good idea that the NFL should have implemented years ago. And it shouldn't have taken the uh, you know Rams Saints mishap in the NFC Championship game. This is something with the with the progression of technology they should have figured out a long, long time ago. The NHL has something like this where they can call to a control center and and decide goal or no goal. The MLB has something similar where where they're able to get on you know the, the headset and hear. It is so stupid that the NFL hasn't done this. So I'm not even going to give them the credit for for being genius here. I'm going to say what took you so long, and this should have been the fix, and I'll give you credit, Mike Florio, because you, as bad as you were last year when you were talking about we need to have pass interference review, you did I say the sky judge is the fix. You said sky judge yes. is the fix, and I agreed with you, and it's finally looking like they're going to get there. So I'm not going to give them credit because this should have happened a long, long time ago. In the interest of clarity, and it's quite possible that the new jacket fumes are getting to you already, my position always was Sky Judge. I never wanted replay review for pass interference. I mean, ultimately, anything was better than nothing, although we found out that, no, nothing is mm. still worse than the anything they came up with. But the Sky Judge is what I wanted. And I give them credit, Big Cat, because in any organization – there is a natural tendency to be very insular and to not give credence to anyone on the outside. And I'm not the only one who's banging this drum. When you have outside forces saying, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, the human reaction is to say, hey, we're fine here. We know what we're doing. You worry about, just like with Sean Payton to the butcher, you worry about your own freaking meat. I'll worry about what I need to do. And I, I give the NFL credit for not just walling off the very good suggestion from many to have Sky Judge, but finding a way to embrace it if they do. One of the practical impediments, Big Cat, is this. Because they're not meeting in person and they're doing this video conference 
and, and I, somebody who is close to the action told me this last week, it's going to be hard to come to a consensus on anything because there's a certain quality, there's a certain value, there's a certain indefinable magic to having everyone in the same room. Basically, you get everyone together and you slam the door and you lock it and you say, we're not leaving here until we come up with something. Not as easy to do when everyone is sitting at their house or at their office or on their yacht with a computer and they can check out mentally, even if they're still sitting there, they can check out mentally anytime they want, just wait for the damn thing to end. So it's going to be a challenge. The fact that the competition committee supports further analysis is good. I wish they would go farther and say, we actually support this proposal, even though it's a proposal that came from a couple of teams and not from us. But I hope they get there. The meeting's next week. And uh, they, they have to do something because right now it reverts to the same scenario that gave us the Ram Saints debacle, Big Cat. They have to do something, and this is the answer because I'll give you a little uh, look inside of the, the regular fan's brain here, speaking of, as one myself. Sky Judge sounds futuristic. Sky Judge sounds like it's from the Terminator movies. When you say Sky Judge, you say oh, it's got all the answers. It's a lot harder to criticize Sky Judge, and also Sky Judge doesn't have a face. So when a ref screws up, you know what ref screwed up. You know what crew screwed up. You know, you know, like you can see fail Mary, even though that wasn't the regular referees in your, you know, it's it's ingrained in your brain. Sky Judge is, uh, oh, I'm going to use a word here. Ready for this? Omnipotent. Sky Judge is everywhere. Sky Judge sees all. It's hard to criticize Sky Judge so I will bow down to Sky Judge, and whatever Sky Judge decides, I will take as fact. Omnipotent is not nearly as impressive as perseverate, which is one of the mm -hmm. words that you, you played out of your SAT preparation book several months ago. Let me say this. I think that, that the reason you just articulated is why the NFL will avoid that sense of omnipotence. That's one of the things they've been concerned about. They don't like the sense, and fans may resist the idea – of this unseen force that is reaching oh, down like from above, like God through the hole in the roof of yes. the old Texas stadium and moving the pieces around on the field. No, they won't use Sky Judge. And I guarantee you they will tell broadcasters, don't call it Sky Judge, call it booth umpire or senior technology advisor. There's uh -uh. a reason why Sky Judge hasn't shown up. And I think they'll have a little camera in there. So if it's Ed Hockley or some other retired referee, and this is the expertise they need to tap into, somebody who's no longer physically able to do it on the field but has the brain and the experience, you'll see the camera, just like we saw with the AAF and the XFL, the camera on that booth umpire or senior technology advisor, but please don't call it Sky Judge. That's how I think they're going to set it up. Wrong. Booth umpire, terrible. Senior technology advisor, that sounds like a job that a 65-year-old would have in like a corporation where they didn't want to fire him, but technology has gone way <laughs> yeah. past their brain. Oh, they, they were they fixed the, they fixed the uh, the copier machine and, and, and the uh, and the fax machine back in the late 90s. Then technology showed up, and they're like, "But we really like Jim, and we want to keep him on." So we'll make him senior technology advisor, even though he doesn't know how to work his email. Sky judge, sky judge, sky judge, right. 10,000. Even add that sky judge, 10,000. Well, whatever they call it, there's a chance it's coming. We'll know more next week. I hope they come up with something because my concern is they'll go back to the rules pre replay review for pass interference 
and they'll just kick the can one year at a time and just hope there's never a debacle like the one that prompted change in the first place. And they could go 50 years before they ever have another debacle like that. So because of the pandemic, because they can't get together, there is going to be a temptation to say, we got bigger fish to fry. You know what? If we have a horrible call in the NFC Championship game this year, that's a good problem. That means we've gotten our games in. That means we're on the brink of the Super Bowl. We should welcome a bad call in the NFC Championship game. But, Big Cat, the one thing that I said to you that got your attention and got you behind the idea that change was necessary, legalized gambling. And when the dust settles on the pandemic, states that were previously resistant to legalized gambling are going to embrace it because that's going to be a way to put budgets back together. And we are going to see a proliferation of legalized gambling and legalized marijuana. I'm not sure the two go together, but the more that people are wagering hard-earned money on football games, the more important it is to get the calls right because it's one thing to say my favorite team lost because of a bad call. It's another thing to say I lost $1,000 because of a bad call. Okay, I'm going to push back on that yet again because you don't gamble. I gamble. What you don't understand is the bad beats, the horrific calls, they put hair on your chest. They're war stories, okay? They're like the rings inside of a huge tree, a sequoia tree that tells you how old you are. So while I don't want to have bad beats, I don't want to lose in these fashions, I actually think in a weird way it's the stories about those losses that are the ones you remember forever. So I'm not going to agree with that one wholly. I, but, would I but, want but them to figure it out perfectly? Of course. Sky Judge 10,000 will do that. But there will be a small part of me that will miss out on the horrendous beats, the horrendous decisions. And when those happen, they are stories that you will, you will have in your brain forever. Duke, Utah, when they brought Duke, Utah back out on the court, I remember it. It was terrible. Those are the things that just stay in your brain. So I'm going to push back slightly on that point. But here's the thing, and here's where I'm going to push back on you. You're like Captain Quint from Jaws. You're the seasoned old sea hag who's been out all over the place, and you've lived this life, and that's how you like it. The people who are going to be betting are a bunch of folks who decide they're going to go get a jet ski and tool around on the lake for the weekend. They aren't thinking of it your way. They're thinking of it as, I got screwed. They got a bad call. Somebody needs to do something. And if enough of those bad calls happen or if there's one really big bad call and we see stories of the tens of millions of dollars that changed hands because of incompetence or worse, that's when you have to worry about Uh, the government showing up with uh, certain instruments to get inserted in certain orifices that the NFL does not want to have happen. There's another rule change, Big Cat, I want to get your thoughts on before we take a break. And that is, and we're told, that there is growing support for the alternative to the onside kick a fourth and 15 play that could be used twice per game at the choice of the the team that is otherwise kicking off you get a fourth and 15 play from your own 25 if you convert a first down you keep possession if you don't convert the opposing team takes over you can't do anything fancy or tricky like punt and something that mds noticed in the formulation of this rule the The idea that if you score late and you're ahead and there's just a couple seconds left on the clock, you do the fourth and 15. You don't kick the ball and you just run around until the clock runs out and you run out of bounds. Now, look, they may close that loophole by saying you can only use that play if you're trailing. But 
fourth and 15, an alternative to the onside kick that a team may be able to use, and the support is growing for that. Look, they're trying to take the kickoff play out of the game, but they recognize it's so hard to convert an onside kick now. They need another way for teams to keep possession when they're trying to keep a game interesting. I've been pushing this for a while. Now, I'm I'm a proponent of just getting rid of the kickoff altogether and make it a 4th and 15 play. And you can punt or you can go for it. You can do a fake punt. You can act like you're going for it. And you can do a pooch punt like the old Ben Roethlisberger, Randall Cunningham punt. I mean, you can do all sorts of stuff out of that 4th and 15. I wish they would just make it 4th and 15. But this is a step in that direction. Your thoughts on a potential 4th and 15 alternative to the onside kick? I love it. I love it. This adds more excitement to the game. The fact that if you have an offense that you you know you're confident in your offense, you feel like they can convert something like that. There'll be more memorable moments because we do have so many times where uh, an onside kick with the new rules of onside kicks they just don't happen and the game kind of ends. So I'm all in favor of this. I think it adds to the excitement. It adds to the intrigue. I I think the only other thing that I would add if we were talking about rules, Mike, is and I, I know people would probably disagree with this. I think the the rules in college football where you can st- where you stop the clock until the ball is snapped after a first down at the end of games adds more excitement. Adds I mean the games go really long but adds more excitement, adds the ability to come back. That's what you're looking for. Those are the games we remember when teams have furious comebacks and they'll convert a fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick and then the off they go. That's that's what gets the juices flowing. So I think this is a great rule. I'm all in for it. Uh, get it done. Get this and Sky Judge 10,000 done today. Nothing in the current proposal requires the team to be trailing, so a team could, and that would be a Bill Belichick move, take the lead late and do the 4th and 15 play and just kill the clock on that 4th and 15 play and never give the ball to the other team. Also, you touched on a very important point. It was six years ago that the NFL hosted the Super Bowl in New York, and I vividly recall seeing Roger Goodell being interviewed by someone, I think from CNBC, And he was asked, who do you root for? And his response was, whoever is trailing. He Mm -hmm. wants teams to have a chance to come back. He wants the games to be exciting. They need to have a viable onside kick alternative if the new rules of the kickoff don't allow the onside kick to happen in a productive way. Now, the the next step, and to the extent the NFL is maybe cherry-picking some of these ideas from failed spring football leagues – Let's do the XFL electric football kickoff where you've got all those guys frozen in place like the old electric football figures while the ball is kicked. And as soon as the guy recovers it, it's like turning the switch on the machine and they all take off. That was the most compelling aspect of the XFL. It makes for a safer play because you're not at full speed when you impact with the person that you're blocking or the person that is trying to get past the block to make the tackle. I'd like to see them go that far as well. Maybe that's something they'll do next year. They should hire my friend, Sam Schwartzstein, who is uh, director of uh, football ops for the XFL. Cause that was his rule. He came up with, and he came up with a bunch of different rules and you need someone like you said, who's not walling everything off and who's, who's open to innovation, open to talking to different people, open to talking to gamblers, open to talking to people who've been around football for a long time, casual fans, That's the thing. Innovation is only a good thing when it comes to rule changes and how we can evolve the game. And, uh, you know, your buddy may not be available next year if that's the case because, uh, and and I don't want to get far afield here, but there's a chance the XFL will be back next year. There's a chance Vince McMahon is going to buy his own football league out 
of bankruptcy and bring it back. So we'll see what happens. All right. We got a Patrick Mahomes tweet on this. And he's not, he he's, what is he, is he, what's he doing? What does that mean? I don't understand it's, emojis He's going to get it easily. Oh, okay. I got it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that's nothing. Like, that's easy. It's nothing. Like I, for, it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good. I'm good. I, I, I want to, now look, I don't want to see a team that's dominating a game, just keep possession and play keep away. But I, I like the idea that a team that's trailing has a way to keep possession. And you're right. The better your offense is, the better your quarterback is. And I know Sims isn't here today, obviously, but his argument against it is your defense, you know, your defense is just giving up a score. Your defense may be tired and you're going to make them go back out there and play another play and stop a fourth and 15 and then stay on the field after that if they if they can't stop the fourth and 15 but uh, I got no problem with it. I would like a device that lets that lets the team that's trailing get back into the game and the onside kick is no longer effective because of the new formation big cat. Yeah, yeah. And and I do what you just said like the the element of it could be like a one-on-one basketball game where where you know you play winners if you score you get to keep the ball. I think that the fact that it starts at the 25-yard line. Make it yeah, take the, it. The 25-yard tw- line will probably deter that. Although there will be yeah. a coach, I'm sure, when they crunch the numbers, if their offense is really that good, where they say, why would we kick the ball off when we can convert a 4th and 15 75% of the time, or whatever it may be. But eventually there will be an offense like that. And guess what? It will probably be Patrick Mahomes' offense. I'll be doing it in Madden. Every single day, you can bank on that. All right, speaking of bank, a couple of quarterbacks trying to take it to the bank, including Mahomes. We're going to give you the latest on the Patrick Mahomes looming contract negotiations. Plus, what in the world is going on with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys? That's next, right here on this Friday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Our buddy Chris Sims, a little, uh, a little fuse on a radio appearance in Dallas earlier this week, and there's a lot of talk now about what's going on with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys and what Dak wants and what the Cowboys want to pay him. And look, he, he, here's I'm going to put it all in a nutshell, and I wrote the item at PFT yesterday at a time when you know there's reports and counter-reports and, and this is right and this is wrong and whatever. Look, none of it matters right now. None of it matters. Stephen Jones, the Cowboys COO, told me two weeks ago, July 15 is the deadline. Nobody is moving anywhere close to their bottom line position until we get toward July 15. Anything now is just talk. When we get, and really, here's what's going to happen. Memorial Day this weekend, Independence Day coming up early July, the 4th, I think it is. I don't know. I may be misremembering. But after that, that's when, I'm kidding. That's when the window opens on getting this deal done. After the 4th of July, everyone will focus on getting the Dak Prescott deal done. And that's when people start moving toward their bottom line. And here's the thing to keep in mind, Big Cat. It's not about what the quarterback market is. It's not about what Dak Prescott is worth. It's not about what anyone else is making or what anyone else will be making. Here's what it comes down to. Dak Prescott has, right now, the ability to make $31.4 million this year, $37.68 million next year under the rules of the franchise tag. And then for 2022, it's the Kirk Cousins dilemma. $54 million is what the Cowboys would have to offer him to tag him again, or $45 million if they use the transition tag, which is the right to match but no compensation, or you let him walk away. That's what his rights are right now. He's got the Kirk Cousins with much more money at play than Cousins had. Cousins had 20 and 24 
Prescott has 31 and 37 and the promise of 54 or 45. What does it take to get him to trade that in? That's what it is. It's like, that's his car. His car is this $69 million machine plus the chance to become a free agent in two years. What will it take for the Cowboys to get him to say, I'll sign your contract instead of doing what I have the right to do? And that means it's going to be a crap load, and I almost said a different word than crap load of money for him to sign away his rights under the franchise tag. It's that simple. It's going to be a gigantic contract because otherwise he just goes year to year. Okay, Mike, but here's my only question with this entire negotiation. Don't you think that the Cowboys uh, having it go on this long, and, and again, you said that there's going to be a deadline of July 15th, so it hasn't gone all the way to the end. But the fact that we're still talking about Dak Prescott not having a new deal says everything about what the Cowboys think about Dak Prescott. And in that, I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he's not. If this was Patrick Mahomes, the deal would have been done. It's not the no doubter guy. It's not the guy that says, whatever you want, we will pay because you are a quarterback for the next decade. And I think that's just the interesting aspect here where they could sign him tomorrow. But I still will tell I will still in the back of my head say the Cowboys and Dak Prescott couldn't get a deal done right away, which kind of tells me what they think about Dak Prescott. See, I disagree with you. I think what happened was when the window opened on a second contract for Dak Prescott after the conclusion of the 2018 regular season, third season for any player, regular season ends, that's when you can sign him to a new contract. Even if you're in the playoffs, you can sign him that week before the first playoff game to a new contract. And that's what the Cowboys should have done. Make him an offer he can't refuse then because – and so what they but always thought was – That's my point. He's eventually – no, no. They thought he'll eventually come around and he'll take a team-friendly deal. And we'll just wait and he'll take a team-friendly deal. What they didn't count on is Dak Prescott working with his agents at CAA and looking at this as a business proposition and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. The longer I wait and the more games that I get through without a serious injury, the injury risk goes to them. The injury risk leaves me. So once he gets through that full fourth year of his contract and now he's he's got no contract, he's got $31.4 million this year. The guy made $2 million last year. $31.4 million for one year of football. He gets through this season healthy. It's another $37 million. So th- this isn't about now, oh, well, Russell Wilson's making 35 and Aaron Rodgers making 32. No, this is about Dak Prescott's going to make $69.08 million over the next two years if he goes year to year. The Cowboys have to offer him something that gets him to say, I'll, I'll, I'll give up my ability to make $69 million over two years. By waiting for him to do a team-friendly deal, they have backed themselves into a corner where he can dictate the terms now. And the only way they're going to get him signed is to give him something that gets him to say, okay, fine, I'll give up $69 million plus a chance to become a free agent in 2022. But that's still my point. I I think Dak Prescott is in some circles, people are saying Dak Prescott should, you know, and the whole highest paid quarterback thing is kind of silly because it's a lot of times it's whoever's up next. But my point still remains. Dak Prescott is not a no-doubter, Here's here's a blank check. Whatever you want, we will sign it. And it hasn't been for the last two years. And that's my point is that it kind of lingers in the back of my head saying Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. But if he were a no-doubter, franchise, Super Bowl-winning quarterback type of guy, this would have been done a long time ago. And even not, still would have been done like this year, even if he didn't do it two years ago. Then, then why did they apply the franchise tag? 
then why did they apply a franchise tag? And why did Stephen Jones tell me two weeks ago they will absolutely not rescind the franchise tag if they don't get a deal done by July 15? Well, See, because you don't want to obviously – you don't want to let, let an asset just walk away, but you don't agree that there's – if Dap Prescott was the guy that we're t- – that, like if he was Patrick Mahomes, there will not be this with Patrick Mahomes. No chance. Timeout. Timeout. Watch and learn, big cat. I'm going to give you an advanced okay. education on how the NFL actually it. works financially. There's two levels of the franchise tag. They chose the highest possible level. They could have gone the base franchise tag of about $26 million. And the math that I was talking about earlier, if you're starting at 26 versus 31.4, the numbers change dramatically, right? They could have done, they could have said, well, you know what, we're not sure about Dak, but if there's somebody else out there that really wants to pay him a hell of a lot more money than we will, we'll take two first-round picks as compensation for Dak Prescott under the rules of the base non-exclusive franchise tag they went exclusive they went high end they went Cadillac so they may not think he's a Cadillac but they've activated the Cadillac franchise tag that's what I can't reconcile I don't disagree with you this isn't Patrick Mahomes this isn't a guy who's the best quarterback in the NFL he's probably not even in the top three or four right now maybe not the top five but When they activate the highest level franchise tag, they are stepping into that mess. And now now they're stuck. Now they're stuck. Unless they say, after July 15, if we don't do a long-term deal, we're rescinding the franchise tag. That's their only play at this point. And Stephen Jones has already told me they will absolutely not do that. So what happens with the Cadillac franchise tag if if someone wants to trade for them? So what's the difference? What's the benefit of doing the, the pricier franchise tag? Because he never gets out. He can't go. It's never an issue of another team trying to sign him. See, I have no idea what the open market would bear for Dak Prescott. If Dak Prescott had become an unrestricted free agent in March of this year with Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees, technically a free agent, all the other guys who were around, what would someone have paid him? Would someone have given him $35, $36, 37000000 million a year? I don't think so. And, And I'll tell you what. And the fact that they're voluntarily giving up their nuclear option is stunning to me because Big Cat, if this is how, let's, let's say it would play out this way. July 15 comes and goes. There's no long-term deal done. That means they can't do anything more than a one-year deal this year. And, and then Dak Prescott, under the rules of the tag, exercises his prerogative to stay away from training camp in the preseason like Le'Veon Bell did in 2017 with the Steelers. If the Cowboys remove the franchise tag from Dak Prescott at any point after July 15, hell, if they would do it now, what the hell is he getting from someone else? Is someone else going to give him $30 million a year, much less $35 yeah. million a year? Hell no. Everybody's got their quarterbacks. If they would remove that franchise tag from him right now and say, we're going to go sign Cam Newton, he would be screwed. And that's why I was amazed two weeks ago when Stephen Jones said, oh, we're just not – no, we're, we're not going to uh, ever – rescind the franchise tag they need to make him think that they would that's the only way to get him to bargain away from his I'll just take my 69 million over the next two years because their response will be not so fast you may not get 31.4 million this year because we may rescind the tender okay you helped me a little there my point still stands that he's obviously not worth the whatever you want give it to him money in that type of quarterback but I appreciate you uh teaching me about this this is actually similar to like the plot of Goodwill Hunting, except you're the caterer who's teaching uh, the the diner something nice and new about math because you got your caterer shirt on, and that is a. I'm saying that because you said let me teach you something, so that was a tit for tat. That's what they say. Let right? me just say this: if if you're if you're gonna make a reference 
to a movie from the early 1990s, my only response to you is this. Okay, Boomer. Next up, why Tom Brady could be more like Vince Lombardi than Michael Jordan. What's more likely is next right here on Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Chiefs owner Clark Hunt told 105.3 The Fan in Dallas on Thursday that negotiations on a long-term deal for quarterback Patrick Mahomes will begin later this summer. And the lesson to be learned from the Cowboys' example, do not wait. Get your guys signed. The longer you wait, the more expensive it's going to be. And whatever it is for Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be expensive. And he deserves every penny of it, $40 million per year or more. More PFT Live right after this. I was suggesting the other day to somebody that they should have a trophy for Shula. I mean, they got the Vardy trophy, which I don't think, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of Vince's, but he's a great coach, but I don't think he did a, nothing near what Shula has done in the coaching field in the NFL. I think they should have a, a, some kind of a trophy, some kind of a recognition for Don Shula for the, the job that he did in the many years that he was in the NFL. That's 93-year-old Vikings coach Bud Grant, Hall of Famer, giving credit to Don Shula, whose team in 1972 narrowly beat the Vikings in week three, or the perfect season would have gone bye-bye before it even got rolling. And, Big Cat, I heard you react to Bud Grant's comments about Vince Lombardi. There's apparently something there that Bud Grant has not fully divulged. He didn't like Lombardi. And I don't know why, and I don't think anybody else knows why, but he did not like Vince Lombardi, but he admired and respected Don Shula, and he wants Shula's name on a trophy. So what's the trophy? What are we going to do? What do we got? Well, I think it's one of two things. Either Coach of the Year is named Mm -hmm. after Don Shula, or they have a trophy for the team that finishes with the top seed in either conference, AFC and NFC. Don Shula is the AFC trophy. Tom Landry is the NFC trophy. Which one do you prefer? I like that one. It's similar to they have it in hockey. 
You know, so I, I like that. You you award, I know that people will say, well, you know, you're awarding regular season greatness and, and not, you know, postseason greatness. But I think that there should be a moment to say, hey, if you were the best team in the regular season through the course of 17 weeks, you deserve a trophy that you can put up. Maybe it will be, you know, one of those years where you look at it and you say, well, we should have won the Super Bowl. But I, I like that idea. I'm all in. And I... Th- and see, I like that too because then you save Coach of the Year for Bill Belichick because they have to name the Coach of the Year award after Bill Belichick. They got to name something after that guy, greatest coach of all time in the National Football League. And he would be the Coach of the Year in any given year if we're all being honest about who the best coach in the NFL is. All right, what's more likely, time? Who's more likely, speaking of Bill Belichick, to get a statue outside of Gillette Stadium, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? Don't you think it's going to be a combo? I would imagine it's just going to be a combo. So I'm going to say push Both on them? this. Yeah, they're going to Both be together. Yeah, they'll be together. Wouldn't you say? That's how they always do I've... these things. No, that's not how they always do these things. The only one I can I mean, think of is Doug Peterson and Nick Foles with the Philly Philly thing that's outside of the link. I think you put Bill Belichick in front of gate A and Brady in front of gate B. Isn't that how Lombardi and Starr do it or are they together? I don't know if they're together, but I, there's other places. Nebraska has one where they're together, where it's uh, Tom Osborne and uh, I think Brooke Bellinger or Berenger. Sorry, excuse me. Um, wait, yeah, wait a minute. Ta- wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't name three quarterbacks who ever played at Nebraska. You couldn't even get the first ones right. Brooks Bollinger, I think. No, that's Wisconsin, dummy. Well, so Brooke who is it then? Berenger. Who, who is it? Who is that? He was he when they won the national title. Tommy Frazier had blood clots. He came in. He won seven games. Uh, played I think half the game in in the title game, and then he tragically actually passed away in a plane accident two days before the NFL draft. Learn some history, my friend. Shout out Nebraska. All right, All right next. What's more likely in his yeah, documentary, Tom? Yeah. Once what? I drop that little fact on you, keep moving. <laughs> no, I don't care. It's not. It's not that you you misinterpreted my decision to pivot. It came from lack of interest, not dominance. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Do whatever you're doing. Where's your, go get your French press coffee and your shine box. <laughs> What's more likely in his documentary, Tom Brady laughs maniacally at a Rex Ryan insult or Tom Brady breaks down in tears about being competitive? What's more likely? I mean, it's the latter, right? And I know that you have, uh, you, you have some takes on this, this documentary <laughs> no, that's I just coming have out. One, I just have one take. One I, take. Listen. I, I don't I don't disagree with you. Obviously, people were, are in that mindset because the last dance, everyone said that, you know, Michael Jordan had had final cut. I think Michael Jordan, there still were moments where he didn't look so great. And you can see actually afterwards, some of his teammates are mad at him. I, I'm cool with calling these not documentaries, but like movies or uh, I mean, they're, they're not they're not full documentaries when when the subject being, you know, at, at the center of it gets to produce the thing. I totally agree with you, yeah. but that doesn't mean people don't want to watch it and it won't be interesting. It still will be interesting. Well, it's better than nothing, right? It's, it's better than not having the documentary at all. But my concern is that we just tolerate this kind of stuff where teams and leagues own their own media and cover themselves. And people don't take a step back and say, and I hope they're smart enough to take a step back and say, wait a minute, maybe we're not getting the full story here. Same thing with Tom Brady's production company making this. And when they, the, the man in the arena, I mean, for starters, the name stinks. The last dance is awesome. Man wait. in the arena. What the, what the hell's that even about? They don't even play in an arena. S- it's a stadium. Go ahead. The man in the arena is is a famous Theodore Roosevelt quote. I still Gosh, don't like you it. Don't, 
I don't. Did like you even it. go to okay, college? Boomer. Did you go to okay, school? Okay, okay, Boomer. Tell me the more about. Tell me more about William Taft. It's a very Taft. famous thing. That's that's. You got any Calvin Coolidge quotes for us? It's it's the uh, Mike Sherman. It's basically the Mike Sherman put a jersey on. You're not the man in the I arena. I don't like it. It's it's actually I, a fantastic. You should read it. it. Try, try to learn a little to, bit so I so you don't dumb me down. If it has to be explained, it's not good. The last dance okay, does not have to be explained. Go Here ahead. it is. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly. Who errs, who comes short again and again, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat, like Mike Florio. Well, That's now a I know what you're. Fantastic speech. Now I know what you read into the mirror before every Coach Doug Duggerton game. Now the I know how you arena. managed to beat West Virginia last week. Congratulations. All right, Stuart Smalley. Your, uh, what, what was, give me a story. I can quote Stuart Smalley, but I can't quote Teddy Roosevelt, whoever said that. This has been okay. illuminating. My intelligence versus yours. Keeps going. Yes, uh, very. What's, we've gotten to two of these items. We only have seven <laughs> left. What's more likely, the 49ers have a 1,000-yard rusher or the Rams have a 1,000-yard rusher? Last year, Raheem Mostert had 7.72 for the 49ers. Todd Gurley had 8.57 for the Rams. Mm. I still would go with the 49ers just because they run the ball so much, but it is tough because you know Kyle Shanahan's going to go running back by committee and he's going to use a bunch of different guys, but – if I had to guess right now, who is the Rams' starting quarter running back? Malcolm Brown? Is yeah, it Malcolm I'm gonna go Brown? With the, I'm going to go with the 49ers. I, I would imagine the 49ers probably have a, a better offensive line, too. You know, the, the Rams had a tough tough go of it last year with, with their offensive line. So give me the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and what he can draw up. Yesterday, Sean McVay said they have three starting running backs. So I agree with you. And I think Kyle Shanahan likes to ride the hot hand and he will until that guy gets injured and then he puts somebody else in and then that guy gets the hot hand. I think Mostert, but remember we thought Mostert was going to be dominant in the Super Bowl because he had the big game in the NFC championship and, and uh, they, they pivoted to someone else. So, all right, one more. What's more likely Jamal Adams is an all pro for the jets in 2020, or he is playing for a different team. What's more likely? Uh, all pro. I think it'd be all pro. What do you think? Yeah. There's a weird vibe there between the Jets and Jamal Adams. There were reports yesterday that there's an impasse on a long-term deal. He can be very prickly. He can be very temperamental. Look, he's a great player. I just wonder at what point, and all it takes is one day. All, all Adam Gase and or Joe Douglas have to do is wake up one day and say, this guy, this it, this one guy is the source of 85% of our headaches. Let's just move on from him. Not that he's a source of 85% of their headaches. I'm, I'm exaggerating. But at some point, they could just, all you have to do is throw your hands up in the air once, and it's over. And my concern is it, they're going to throw their hands up in the air. It's Jalen Ramsey. You know, the Jaguars probably didn't want to trade Jalen Ramsey. But at some point, you just say, you have to trade Jalen Ramsey. Speaking of trades, Adrian Peterson is not thrilled about one specific trade his team made. We'll explain that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. I didn't like the trade, obviously. I feel like Trent is the best office lineman in the game, you know, and I, I'm, able, I'm able to see him firsthand and what he's able to do. Um, 
you know, so I was I was hoping that there would be some good ending to, uh, you know, to him and with the Redskins. Washington running back Adrian Peterson not happy with the fact that Trent Williams, uh, a very close friend of his, and one of the reasons why he picked Washington as a place to continue his career has been traded to San Francisco. So uh, Adrian Peterson available to reporters yesterday. Another thing that he – well, before we move on, um, look, I, Adrian Peterson is a machine, and I don't care what blocking he does or doesn't have. As long as that guy's healthy, he's getting his yards, big cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things, though. Do you think he he's getting his yards, but with the way the NFL has changed, does a back like that really – like, do you want to have those yards when you don't have a guy on the field who can catch the ball the way some of the running backs catch in today's NFL to be dynamic in different ways? I agree with you. He gets his yards, but do I guess maybe it's more because the Redskins aren't very good that they feel like hollow yards – uh, but it just feels like the NFL has changed so much that a guy like Adrian Peterson is a throwback and not the future. He also said he's expecting big things from Dwayne Haskins, the former Ohio State quarterback, 15th drafted overall last year. Scale of 1 to 10, what's your level of confidence in Haskins this year, Big Cat? Two? I'll go at, I'll go at least four and a half. I, look, four I and thought a half? Haskins... I, I thought I, when, when we were getting ready for the draft last year and we were taking a careful look at what Haskins did at Ohio State, and people were saying, oh, he's got no mobility. Just because he doesn't run the ball doesn't mean he doesn't have mobility. He is very nimble behind the line of scrimmage, and he can buy time. I did, look, dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, and dysfunctional teams don't know how to properly develop a quarterback. So I think that's part of why there's this perception that he's not going to be very good because he's stuck on a team that may not be able to get the best out of him. Now, new coaching staff, Ron Rivera, maybe they can turn the page. But I, I, my explanation for last year is it's, ju it's just Washington and it's dysfunction and Dwayne Haskins got caught up in it. All right, let's take a break. A viewer has an interesting theory on why Bill Belichick should be thrilled with social distancing guidelines. We'll take that up coming up here on PFT Live. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 